1: Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. My guest in this episode of the podcast is a returning guest. It is Lisa Bilieu. And Lisa came on the show actually nearly a year ago to the day via Zoom. We met, she was at her house in Los Angeles, I was in my home in London and she came on the podcast to discuss her mission, which is to push people to know what their dreams are and empower them with the confidence to pursue them. And she does this via her digital first media company, Impact Theory Studios and her Women of Impact YouTube channel, where she empowers women to become become the hero of their own lives. And I first came to know about Lisa's channel because she interviewed a friend of mine, Mally Roncal. And I watched that interview and then I watched another one and then I watched another one. And before I knew it, I'd clocked up hours, hours, I tell you, of watching Women of Impact YouTube videos. They are just utterly brilliant. And when we spoke last summer, I felt a real connection with Lisa and we'd stayed in touch. And she gave me the heads up off the record actually when we recorded that last episode that she had a book coming out in 2022 she even told me the name of it, which if you know anything about books that are coming up, usually the name is the last thing to be, anyway, I thought, okay, I really can't wait to read this book based on the conversation we've just had. If you've been able to bottle that into a book, I cannot wait to read it. Well, that book, Radical Confidence, landed in my postbox a few weeks ago and I obviously devoured it. I think it was two sittings it took. And then Lisa herself landed on my doorstep. Sort of. Sort of. She landed in London, which is kind of the same thing. And this podcast is us meeting in person for the first time. And look, there are a lot of people out there who are selling you that they can help you reach your goals. And it all looks very appealing. But there's something so very real about Lisa's perspective. And she's a real deal. And I think that's because Lisa knows what it's like to sit on her own dreams and watch as others achieve theirs. She's been told all through her life that her choices weren't great ones. Like, Lisa, you're wrong. Whether that was her dream of becoming a filmmaker or an artist, all of those things being, she was told they were foolish. Why would you want to do that? That's not gonna put a fool on the table. That's so artistic. So for a long time, she was a stay-at-home mum, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home wife to her husband, Tom, when they started Quest Nutrition, the company they eventually sold for over a billion dollars. But as she learned more about the business, became involved in the day-to-day and then instrumental in the business's growth, she realized she had a passion for business and entrepreneurship, a passion that she wanted to pursue, which meant she wanted to surrender her life up to that point. And we really talk about that in this episode, about how you can know what you want, but that doesn't mean that leaving behind what you were, what you are, isn't difficult, There's something really legitimate about Lisa's perspective because she's been stuck, she's felt stuck. And the things that really tethered her to that place were limiting beliefs, often projected onto her by other people. And they were usually characterized by shoulds, I should do this, I shouldn't do that, I should play safe. But also because of what she was telling herself, and I think we can all identify with having a negative voice in our head that maybe sabotages us when all we really want us to do is to push us forward. So her book Radical Confidence is 10 chapters each teaching a lesson that she had to learn on her journey to what looks like confidence from the outside but honestly it's hard earned. We cover everything and the book covers everything from gambling on yourself, why you have to lean into a growth mindset and how that can be really a significant shift if your default setting right now is to be limited by these limiting beliefs and these shoulds. She also discusses looking for external validation, why that's a fool's errand and why it's better to seek internal validation, why it's important to embrace mistakes and actually be comfortable to learn and to say, I don't know, and I want to learn and get good at something, how you should really try to learn to listen to your instinct, making use of that negative voice in your head, as we've discussed, we've all got it, so how do you make it work for you rather than work against you? She also discusses toughening up, leaning into fear, checking in with your emotions, and again, what are they trying to tell you if you're scared of something does that mean that you have to run at it why being a perfectionist can again can be the thing that can hold you back and also being your own hero and not waiting for someone else to come and save you and interestingly that's something that I talked about on the podcast with Evie Pomporis, who uh, actually has a, a, her own series with Lisa. So, there's a lot of, uh, if you're a regular listener to the show, there's a lot of this that will kind of join up. There's a lot of conversations in this conversation with Lisa that might make a little bit more sense uh, if you know that, like, Evie and Lisa are mates. So, if you're in limbo, you feel stuck, whether that's in love, whether it's in work, or in any aspect of your life then I think Lisa may be able to jolt you into action or say the thing that you really need to hear today to see where you are now, but also, crucially, help you navigate to where you want to be. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. I really can't. It was such a pleasure to meet Lisa. And also just chat to her and look her in the eyes and have this conversation. And so the link to the book and all of Lisa's social media will, of course, be in the show notes. But please join me in welcoming Lisa Bilyeu in person onto The Emma Gunn Show. <laughs> um, she's here. She's in the flesh. It's Lisa Billu. <laughs> what up, Emma? I can't believe you're in the flesh, me? It is so nice because you've been on the show before, but it was via Zoom. Yeah, it's such, it's such a different, I mean, we literally have been sitting here for like an hour just chatting with her before you even recorded. I know, I know, because it's, it's felt since we first met via that Zoom call that I've just been plugged into everything that you do with Impact mm. Theory, Women of Impact and all of your content. I'm doing a press-up challenge at the moment. You did yeah, a press Yeah, buddy. Are you really? What you at? Oh, I can't even do a full press-up. Oh And listeners, for your information, Lisa can do... Not only... It's press-ups with claps, so it's like the full... Yeah, like, You with, can do proper thing.
2: So that... Um, I can't remember how many I did. That. I think I did 20. But now push-ups without stopping, I'm at 30. Um, but I want to get to 50. So your mouth, your jaw just dropped as if you were impressed. I'm not impressed with myself, Emma. I... <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing I do like to set big audacious goals it's the thing that I never did when I was a stay-at-home wife where each day literally was completely mundane and so now I almost lean into challenging myself and because I used to see other women as competition see other people as competition that was very unhealthy for me Mm. and so now like any competition I do I do it with myself and I love that that's why I kind of just mock myself I'm like (laughs) 30 but again it's my way of staying light-hearted I don't take myself seriously and yet I'm able to push myself to do great things and so that's kind of like the fun combination
1: I really get this from you which is which is you're a big goal setter yeah you dream big yeah. and there's a lot of hope in there too yeah which means that you're never going to kind of settle in the bottom somewhere well because also it's
2: true but also the truth is the success is never guaranteed ever. So even if I start a new business, if I start a new venture, if I, anything, I'm so aware that I, like, there's no guarantee. So am I enjoying my life? Am I enjoying the path that I'm on? Am I enjoying the pursuit of that goal? Because if I'm not enjoying the pursuit, why the hell am I doing it? In the hope that I get to the goal, but then what? So that's just been kind of the mindset through my evolution, because I never thought like that. I was At the point where we were growing Quest, I was the person that was like, ignore everything, ignore your gut, ignore your health. Who cares if it's going to crap? You know, that isn't the focus, Lisa. Work harder, work harder because the success is all that matters. And, you know, I've had massive health issues and gut issues since then. So I realized that was a bad
1: strategy. (laughs) But do you think in your mind you thought if I just push through once we sell the business or once we reach that position – then everything else will settle. Of course. And I will be elevated and there'll be angels singing. Yes. I'll never get bloated again. (laughs) Yes. You do. You convince yourself that once I
2: get here, I'll feel like this. Now, I really wonder why. Like, why do we do that? Because it doesn't serve us. When you think about Mm. every single person that's ever said this, they're always like, oh, yeah, it never feels like what I thought it would be. So to me, I'm like, but why do we do that then if it doesn't serve us? I think it's because when we look at let's say other women, let's just take um Oprah Winfrey. When I look at Oprah and I'm like, oh my god, she's so freaking amazing. Like what she's done, what she's created is so beautiful. I want to be as good as Oprah, I want to have my own studio where I've done so well as a host that I've created my own like network. That's freaking epic, right? So when I think about what she's done, I'm in admiration, I'm working towards it. Now, the admiration I have for her, I think of that as being, I'm gonna have that admiration for myself finally when I get there Mm. and the truth is you don't the truth is you've been you've seen the reality of what it takes to get someone you've seen the reality and the challenges that it takes to you know so when you're there you've just got like the scars and the wounds and then you're like I didn't even freaking love doing it and now here I am and now I don't feel great about myself and what happened to all the feelings I thought I was going to have and so that was such a beautiful to me I call that beautiful because you know, how do we learn from people's, other, you know, past errors, mistakes, you know, and how many people, how many billionaires have to commit suicide before we realize, oh, what, money doesn't actually buy happiness?
1: The amount of people you hear from who are successful in a particular field, and let's talk about fields that we glamorize, so money and mm-hmm. fame. The amount of people who say they work, 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 and then they got to where they thought it would feel incredible, and there was something very empty about yeah. it. Yeah
2: yeah oh the man. I mean I've interviewed so many therapists where mm-hmm. they say people come into the you know like a freaking star players like you're talking the cream of the crop where they're making I mean you know top of the you know like studio chain or whatever in hollywood that they've always dreamt there would be and i remember one therapist actually said this person calls me up he'd been dreaming of this position he'd been dreaming of this role he'd been dreaming of creating these movies and he finally got it and he calls her up at 3 a.m he's never been never been wealthier never been more successful and he calls her up at 3 a.m and he's like now what Mm.
1: so it is about the process yeah And I think this is what you've funneled into. Obviously, you've been on the show before. and We've talked about the process. We've talked about your story. But you have funneled everything from all of that experience Mm. into radical confidence, which isn't which is a book, obviously. But radical confidence is also it really is something that you live and it's something that you breathe. And it's something you feel passionate about based on the journey you've been on, based on the battle wounds you've won. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it really was because people
2: thought, oh, it's because I've got confidence that I've been able to do the things I've done. And I'm like, oh my God, girl, if you had the, the, the voice in my head of how mean she is to me, on the daily of all you know I call her the bitch in my head so she's always cruel she's always telling me the things I'm not good enough at the thing why I should never try anything new and so I was like what are people seeing they think I'm confident that's insane (laughs) and then I realized oh they see radical confidence which to me means I'm completely petrified I'm actually very inadequate to try this new thing I'm not educated on this thing I don't have the ability but you know what I'm going to give it a shot in a way and I know and I have a belief in myself that if I fall on my knees I can get back up and that is what radical confidence is and that allows me every single day to move forward even when I'm scared even when let's take an early day at Quest I walk in into a room and there's 10 guys with all much many 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 years of uh, business experience over me so it's not me feeling the imposter syndrome I'm just feeling badly about myself it's like no no there's actually 10 men Mm -hmm. who have like 10 years of work experience or business experience before me. I've spent the last five years being a stay-at-home wife or the last eight years being a stay-at-home wife. So I walk into this room and you can be petrified. You can actually be so... conscious about where you are compared to them that you don't enter the room Mm. but I have radical confidence which means that I go into that room going I don't know what I don't know and you know what by walking into this room I can be humble and I can learn and it's that mind shift that change that used to stop me from doing anything in life that literally for eight years I was dismissing my own unhappiness because I was just like oh no you just you know don't worry like you can keep going and now I just listen to the like I, not that I listen to the voice but I just go if I don't walk into this room if I don't speak up if I don't make a change what am I going to get the definition of insanity is doing the same thing expecting a different result so by realizing oh I don't need to feel great about myself to make a change which is what confidence is I can make a change and the, the, the feeling great will come at the end it's the byproduct of action so you go in as the learner you keep learning. As you keep learning, you get more competent. As you build the competent, the confidence comes. So the confidence is the end thing. It's mm-hmm. the thing that comes after you've done everything else. But everyone, including myself, is waiting for the confidence piece first. And that is why I think so many people, especially women, are so freaking stuck.
1: Yes, there is this idea of being stuck. And it's almost like being in a waiting room. And we've mm-hmm. talked about it waiting mm-hmm. for... Mm-hmm waiting to get somewhere and then you feel amazing or yeah I I can't start that until this happened yeah when I can't I can't do this I can't do the other and I think what this really leans into and actually the dedication in the book is to anyone brave enough to pick up this book and consider change yeah which is brilliant because okay so let's talk about it eight years as a housewife yeah and you've said before no disrespect to housewives, anyone chooses that. That's completely their journey. It just wasn't authentic to who you were. Yeah. Yeah, eight years is a really long time to mm-hmm. silence and quiet something that's, like, bubbling up inside of you. Yeah, me.
2: yeah. I mean, but don't you find, though, that especially at first, we never just go, oh, yeah, I'm not happy. Okay, I'm going to make a change. It normally starts with whispers. Mm. And you're whispering to yourself now, sometimes that whisper is so uncomfortable because it could lead to something that's even more uncomfortable that you ignore it. So the the thing that I as if anyone at home can kind of relate to it's like think about if you're even the whisper of like are you happy in this relationship let's say that's the case and you're not you, you're not sure and the whisper's like well you know you've kind of been settling for a while you're like no, no 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 I don't want to listen to that voice why don't you want to listen to that voice because what if it gets louder what if it actually says you're not happy now that means you have to act on it and the acting. Can be petrifying. That means, like, well, do I have to speak to my partner? Does this mean that we have to go to therapy? What if they're not willing to go to therapy, and I am? What if you're married? Who gets the house? If you have kids, who gets custody? Who gets them at Christmas time? What are you gonna die alone? Like, right? It's like becomes like this whole like list of other questions that come along with that. And so, so many of us stay quiet. Mm. We push away the whisper because we don't want to deal with the reality that comes with listening to the whisper and it's freaking hard and so for me I was just waiting for the when when my husband is happy when we have enough money when I have the confidence and because I never hit rock bottom which I know so many people do, and that's usually where they make their change, right? It it propels you into action. What about all the women like myself who didn't hit rock bottom? What is that thing that is going to jolt you into action, that's going to make you take notice of the life that you're living? And I didn't do that because I kept saying to myself, I'll wait till when. So anyone listening right now, the question I want to pose to them is, what happens if that when never came or never comes? Right now, as you're listening to this podcast, as you're listening to me and Emma speak, that when that you use, if it never came, would you still do what you do every single day or would you make a change?
1: That's a really brilliant way of looking at it.
2: And that's the catalyst, right? Mm. To then realising, oh, maybe I'm not living the life I love. And that's my message. That's what the book is about. It's not about that I went from anything, like you said, about a message being a housewife. But it's about identifying the life that you have asking if it actually aligns with the dream you want or the life that you want and then questioning things like your belief system I had the belief I was supposed to be a stay-at-home wife and supportive you know and a mother because of my Greek upbringing Mm -hmm. so I never questioned that belief until I started to see and listen to the whisper saying to myself do you like putting clothes out for your husband. And then that came with, oh, my God, I don't want to take care of my husband anymore, even though I love him. And that leads to a whole bunch of other things. But that's where the whisper is so important. And then how do you identify what the whisper is trying to say to you? And then how do you do that jolt yourself awake with questions? And so that's like the first question that I found really helps people orient themselves to, oh, I don't know if I'm sacrificing without realizing it.
1: This brings us to one of my most hated words in the English language, which is "should," (laughs) because I don't think a sentence that includes the word "should" really is ever aligned with what you really want. Yeah, there's a duty to it. But anyway, uh, a slight slight side note: someone might have looked at your situation and gone, "Well, you both—he, Tom's got a job, you've got a nice Mm -hmm. house—you should." Be happy. Mm-hmm. You should be grateful. You should count your blessings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I freaking hate the word should. I have a feeling some people have said that to you <laughs> my your page. You're like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. But, but I used to say it to myself. Mm-hmm. I've stayed in really bad situations for a really long time and I should have known. Not only I should have known, I did know on some level Mm. and I wouldn't let myself leave because I thought I had it pretty good. And I didn't know what was on the other side of ejecting Mm -hmm. from that situation.
2: Yeah. I mean, it it holds us all back. Right. It's the expectation that we put on ourselves um, that we may have learned from childhood Um, You know, but I do take ownership over when I say shoulds now, right? And kind of it's like, oh, that's just a belief system that I've held on to from childhood that I've been told will make me like myself or... Um, And this is a big thing about the gratitude piece, right? It's like gratitude can be beautiful. It can be so wonderful. When you feel badly about yourself and you have a negative mindset, to be grateful for the wonderful things in your life, it can be amazing. It can pull you out of the negative. But to your point, oh dear God, it literally kept me where I was. So for the first couple of years, I kept saying like, Lisa, you know, you're doing this for the greater good. You're sacrificing, you know, don't worry. You know why you're doing it. You should be grateful you know look you have a husband that loves you you've always wanted to live in America Lisa you live in America so I was like I'm so grateful and then that same note was exactly what I was saying two years in four years in six years in eight years in and the tone changed it was like well how ungrateful are you Lisa and when I say the tone, I mean the tone in my own head Mm. so every time I would be like but Lisa you're not happy that whisper got louder right every time that whisper got louder I would say to myself well, how ungrateful are you? Your husband's going out working. You don't have to work. you're putting clothes out and cooking for him. You don't have a 9 to 5, Lisa. How ungrateful are you? You've wanted to live in America, Lisa. How ungrateful are you?
1: And you also that like, the way you looked after the house and the way you looked after Tom like it was like 10 out of 10 housewife. The way you describe it in the book. It's like it was I I could just imagine everything was totally clean yeah everything was very organized i took it very seriously like the tupperware (laughs) was probably organized beautifully and it was all very symmetrical (laughs) the The socks were color coordinated and they were folded not
2: rolled yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) exactly but all of that comes from upbringing a belief system that i had um and then the gratitude piece absolutely just ended up keeping me where i was um and so it it became a beautiful tool that then turned toxic and so I think now with anything that I talk about with mindset with the 10 tips that you know lessons that I give in the book everything becomes a. you have to assess how this aligns with you and then what your version of that is but I think awareness is the big main freaking key throughout this whole thing that we call you know the game of life and mindset it
1: is just about awareness I just lost the game of life and this is so <laughs> when I was at university, my friends and I had a thing called the game of life. Yeah. And it's like, right, you're, you're playing it right now. Yeah. And every time you think about it, you lose a life. Well, not lose a life, but you yeah. it. So every time anyone says game of life, I'm... <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's the weirdest game. Yeah, and it just stays with you. Is, yeah. um, right. Let's talk about the, your marriage. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because, twofold. First of all, Tom is a really consistent and brilliant character in the book. Hmm who seems like a bit of a North Star. Can you be a bit of a North Star, or are you just a North Star? Mm. Seems like very much a North Star, someone that checked in and guided you in a really incredible way that didn't serve him, served you, which I thought was really wonderful. It's kind of like the love story in the book. But also it's the fact that this radical confidence, the changes that you were able to make, this aligning with your authentic self, happened when you were in a relationship. In a marriage, mm-hmm. which I think sometimes it can be seen that if you are in a dynamic like that, then you can't change too much. But you were able to.
2: Yeah, I think that comes to the found when you first meet someone, like the foundation of who they are, and um, is the most important thing. Because let's face it, I'm just going to actually speak for myself. I want to be married till I take my last dying breath. Now I want to be happily married. I don't want to be where he's just my roommate. Well, we just tolerate each other? Like, that isn't a marriage that I want. So me and my husband said from day one, we want to be in a happy, successful marriage till the day we die. Okay, great. What does that actually mean? And what does that look like? If I'm the same bloody person that I was, when I met my husband, I met my husband at 21. Are you really trying to tell me that I should never change? And so now the question is, who do I change into? Who do I evolve into? Everyone changes. And evolves. So now the question is, who is that person and how do you do it? And does your partner accept you? Now, I pride evolution. I pride evolving. So you can understand that I pride it in my husband too. Mm. So because we have met, we pride this evolution in each other. We both commit our lives to each other. So now it's like, how do you navigate the changes that we go through? Now, the thing that I didn't anticipate is that I would change so much. (laughs) That I would go from being, you know, a Greek stay at home wife who wanted four children to now being the wife that never wants to take care of my husband. And when I say take care, i mean the traditional way, putting clothes out and cleaning for him um, and feeding him. Um, So I, I never thought that I would change so much. And when I did, it became a how do we do it? Because. That is the moment of the make and break. Those are the moments. And everyone turns and is like, oh, Lisa, you and Tom are so lucky. You are so lucky. And I'm like, the same situation with a different couple, handling it in a different situation, it's not luck. Mm-hmm. So now the question is, how do you show up every day and how do you communicate with your partner? And so this is the foundation of building a relationship. And so for me and Tom, it was a game of tennis. Now, when I say this, have I spoken about this before in your podcast? I don't want to repeat myself for your own... Sp-
1: I don't believe you have. Okay, I'll,
2: I'll say it. Yeah, anyway. say it. So, when you play tennis, you're on one side of the court and the other person's on the other, and then you ping-pong the ball back and forth. Well, let's actually just admit, you can only, only one person can win. Mm-hmm. Now, when you see couples who are arguing or having discussions, usually from the outside, it feels like you're watching a game of singles, right? Where they're just hitting the ball back and forth. And the idea is for one of them to win, one of them to be right. Mm. And me and my husband just said from day one, we're playing a game of doubles, which means we're playing the same sport. We're going for the same cup, but we're on the same side. And now when I'm weak, he's got my back. Mm. And when he's weak, if he misses the ball, I've got his and there are going to be days that he's going to not turn, show up and he's going to be bad and he's going to be worse than the day before. And I'm going to give him grace to be able to train, to get better. And he's going to give me grace to train and get better. Now, with that mentality, when I realized I never wanted to be a stay-at-home wife anymore and I didn't want any children, I told him I wanted four, how do you handle those situations? If you have the analogy of a t- game of doubles, I go, okay, here's my partner in this. He doesn't realize how weak I've been. He doesn't, and when I say that, I've I haven't told him Mm -hmm. how unhappy I've been for eight years. So now that's on me. So the first thing was I had to express to him why I'd been that I'd been unhappy for eight years, that I hadn't told him because I wanted to feel like a great wife, and that's on me. That's not on him. But now I am no longer happy, and I had to express to him.
1: It's not a whisper anymore. It's not
2: a whisper anymore, exactly. It's a big freaking hammer to the skull is what that became. And it does, it does. And so you can't ignore it. Mm. And so I approached him, told him the truth of how I was feeling. And also I gave him the grace to acknowledge I was the one changing. So many of us, and this was my instinct to go in there and be like, I don't want any kids anymore and this is who I am and you're going to have to accept me for how, who, and it's like, The second you do that, someone feels disrespected. They feel like you're dictating to them. They don't feel like a partner in it anymore. They feel like they're being told. And so I just thought that's how I would feel if he came to me saying, hey, I'm changing and you're just going to have to suck it up and deal with it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, how would I want to receive it? I would want him to come to me and say, babe, you know what? I'm changing. I love you and I recognize it, but this is how I'm feeling and I need your help. So I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to say to him. Because I knew that that's what I would want him to say to me. So I just said, babe, I love you. I need you to know. And over this time that we've been together, have you felt that I truly love you? And he said, yes. And I said, amazing. So now now that you know that I love you, I can say I hate cooking for you. And I hate (laughs) cleaning for you. And I never want to do it again. This doesn't have a reflection of how I feel about you. This has a reflection of me and my growth and helping you with this new startup company called Quest Nutrition made me realize that I love business. And so this new person that I am becoming, this new person that I am now, um, doesn't want that old life, doesn't want that commitment that I made years ago before I realized what I was made of. And I need your help. And I would love for you to be a part of this and, you know, and And he immediately was like, what kind of husband would I be if I put clean clothes ahead of my wife's happiness? And I think a big part of it, his response was because I was like, babe, I just need your help in this. I haven't told you how profoundly unhappy I've been for eight years. That's on me. That's not a you thing. And now I just need your help to get out of it. And, um, and then the last thing is I gave him the grace to be honest about how he felt. So he was like, well, look, I'd be crazy if I pretended that it hasn't been amazing having all my clothes put out for me every day and having my food. He's like, what, you know, I I would be lying if I told you this hasn't been amazing. So it's going to be difficult for me to make a transition. So I just need you to bear with me. And I said, all right, babe, how about this? So I made the suggestion that I was doing that seven days a week that I wean quote unquote him (laughs) off that behavior. So I was like, cool. So next week, I'm going to cook and clean for you six days a week. And then I'm going to do five days a week. And then I'm going to do four days a week. And then I'm going to do three days a week. And over time, I'm going to do less of the taking care of you and more of you know, working at Quest where I really felt like I was thriving. And so I just gave him the grace to have that adaptation where it was a slow progression. It was a slow change. And then it got to the point where a few months later, I I didn't do the laundry in like a month or something. And he he didn't have clean underwear. So he's like, babe, I don't have clean underwear. So I guess I'm going to work commando, you know. And because he felt like he was helping me, because he felt like an amazing husband, that he was supporting his wife on this journey. He could literally with a smile and a laugh go, all right, I'm going to work commando and laugh about it versus you can imagine if I had handled it in a different way, if I had said you're going to have to deal with this, this is who I am and as my husband I expect this of you, you can imagine that moment of where he realizes he doesn't have clean underwear immediately guaranteed the resentment has built up and that's where the argument starts. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you have a relationship where you're biting at each other, you're resentful for each other's lives and you don't feel heard, you don't feel seen. And I interviewed a therapist on my show, many therapists, and the thing that they say over and over again is the number one thing that someone wants in a relationship is to be heard and seen. That is it. Mm. That's the number one thing in a relationship that if you don't have, forget it. Your relationship
1: is dust. I think what's really interesting about that is that this whisper became very loud Mm. and then you had to have the conversation. And I know you credit Tom with grace. And the, uh, the slow easing out of the daily yeah. laundry and everything. But that, I wonder how that felt for you because, okay, right, I've made the decision. I feel this so passionately. I want to get into business. But not only did he, you have to ease him, I guess you had to ease yourself. And yeah. there's an element of I can imagine you were champing at the bit.
2: Yes. So this is actually two parts. So there's one, I absolutely had to grieve the woman I thought I was going to be. I'd been told my whole life, since I was a young little Greek girl, that I would end up being a mother. And I told Tom when I married him, I wanted four children. So I'd already processed what I was going to call their kids, how I was going to bring them up. I was going to get them christened because I'm Greek Orthodox. Tom was still even learning Greek. He'd already started, he'd learned Greek for two years, he was learning the language. So that when we eventually had kids, he'd be able to speak Greek to them. My husband, he got christened. So, I I mean, literally. So, it was, we had processed, this was going to be our lives. Mm. So, you can imagine when I realized I'd had this new uh, life. I'd, you know, we, Quest was growing. I had this epiphany of, oh, my God, this is where I was meant to be all along. And so, I had to grieve because the thing that we don't, I think, acknowledge or give ourselves grace enough is to say, just because we choose one path of our lives that fills us up, it doesn't mean that we're not heartbroken and completely sad About leaving other parts of our lives behind. Mm. And I think that we have, we feel like we have to pretend. We have to pretend that you go down one path and you go in all in, that you don't care what happens, but what you're leaving behind. But that Mm. wasn't true to me. I was actually heartbroken knowing that I chose not to have children because I knew that I was no longer going to feel a baby grow inside me, which was something that I dreamt about. I knew I wanted little Tom running around with his little big ears and, you know, just like, I wanted a daughter to be able to help teach a growth mindset and to feel positive about herself that I didn't feel when I was 14. So I'd already envisioned what my life was going to be like. And so now the reality of I love, loved business, I never felt more alive. Mm. So I had to process and acknowledge I was leaving something behind. I had to grieve it. I had to give my permission, give myself permission to grieve and not feel badly about it. Let myself feel the feels. And now it's like, even today, I desperately want children. The only thing that I want more is to not have children. <laughs> so it's like, I know i made the decision and I'm very comfortable. I've never regretted it. Mm. But that doesn't mean there isn't that part of me that has always wanted kids. And I think that we can, if we can be honest with ourselves, it stops that anxiety mm. in your, your, your stomach about like, have I made that right decision? You know, where it's just like, oh, I've really thought through this. I've thought through the regret, the worry, the what if I, you know, what if I, in 10 years, what if I'm in my 50s and my husband, God forbid, passed away? and I've decided not to have children, would I regret it, right? Like I've thought through every, not every scenario, because that's impossible. But I've just given myself the grace to ask myself all the hard questions, all the things people want to turn a blind eye to, so that I can actually make a Decision on a path and feel good about it and not have the anxiety or the crippling worry or concern about whether I should have or shouldn't have, or whether I'm going to upset people, or whether I'm going to regret it or not. Mm. It's like, no, I'm not going to live my life in the worry of a possible future regret.
3: Mm.
1: And you're speaking to a 44 year old woman who doesn't want children and has never wanted children. In fact, I was telling this story to a friend the other day at school. I think when I was around 12 or 13, So back in the 90s, when it was appropriate to ask this question, in a lesson, I was asked, we were all asked, Mm. everyone was asked in the room, how many children would you like? Mm. And my answer was, I'm not going to have children because I'll be on tour. Oh, my God, (laughs) did you really? And I was like, Madonna doesn't have kids. That's this is amazing. This was this before, before she had kids. This before she had kids, so so there is a little bit of a part of me as I definitely mm. thought, like if I want to achieve my goal, mm. that means that I won't have children because obviously I'll be doing a blonde ambition tour. I'll have, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be doing. I'll be so busy with all of that kind of stuff. Um, I love that. But then things change, and then it, the two aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah, and. But I totally am with you, and I'm sure there are listeners who are thinking, well, I'm not. But I'm very much like, for me to achieve my goals, there isn't space for that. There mm-hmm. really isn't. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, but I know that some people would listen to me say that and think that it was not correct. Or I could still achieve my goals and be a mother. But I, I personally just, I don't, I don't feel that. In my heart and soul. Yeah. I mean, here's the
2: thing. I think that I can achieve my goals and have kids, but is that the life I want? And so anyone listening right now, like you even said that's not correct. Who's anyone to judge anyone? Right? It's like, I totally understand. You feel it is not correct for you not to have children. Respect. Mm. But do not pass judgment on your belief system onto other people. That's So that's why even with the book, radical confidence isn't about going out and crushing the world and being a badass. Like, it is about actually living the life you want. And to me, that is what being a badass is, Mm -hmm. is that if I want to quit my job that I've spent 20 years trying to get, because my life, what fills my heart is to have children and stay at home, freaking a that's what you should do and you shouldn't get trapped over whatever you've said in the past about the life that you want right and so it goes both ways like my whole message is are you living the freaking life you want and if you're not how the hell do you and it becomes step number one is removing the judgment of other people because that's the big thing people will judge and so I go cool how do I know what is actually true to me because so many of us right we have all these people telling us right from our parents to our grandparents to the teacher to the stranger in the comments about what type of life we should live, so I go, okay. That's I can't control other people's opinions. I can't control other people coming at me, but what I can control is knowing have I processed this. Mm. And so, to your point is, I really do believe there's there's I I've, I've got friends, amazing friends who are epic badass businesswomen and have family, so I know it's possible. I just know that they say to me it's freaking difficult. So now, growing your own business. Without kids, it's freaking difficult. So now, what type of difficulty do you want in your life? That's that's really mm. the only question I ask myself. And so I think with the kids thing, there was three options that I could see before me. Mm. Option number one: be a stay-at-home wife. Option number two: have kids and work. Option number three: just work. Right? I see, I don't think I've missed an option as far <laughs> as I can see. Those were the three options. And now I just say, Lisa Billu. What do you want? And I used your average Wednesday as an example. Because as so many of us, girl, I could, I could be convinced right now, right here to have kids. If all I focused on was having, oh my God, the baby growing inside me, Lisa, all the things. Imagine you had a daughter, Lisa, the things you could teach her. I could convince myself to have kids. Mm. So now I go, what type of life on a day-to-day do I want? Because I, it's like saying to someone, everyone wants to start their own business. I want to be an entrepreneur. All right. I get it because what you see is maybe no one tells you what to do. That's true. But what you also don't see is a whole lot of crap that also comes with that. During COVID, you've got employees. If you're... Do you have to let people go? How are they going to pay their bills, right? There's, there's a whole load of other responsibilities that come with any decision you make. So to me, there's not a right answer. There's not a wrong answer. It is just what life do you want? So I processed, okay, if I was a stay-at-home wife, what would an average Wednesday look like? Because I can get roped into how it would feel about having kids. Mm. So I just said to Tom, all right, babe, if we have kids, what type of father would you be? And he was very honest. And he's like, you know the man you married. I've always been incredibly ambitious. I've never got home at a certain hour. And that's not going to change if we had kids. So if I'm not going to be coming home at 6, 7 o'clock at night because I'm ambitious, you know this. We've been together for so long. Um, I know that I have to be very on point with my mind and my clarity at work. So I'm not going to be getting up in the middle of the night. So I was like, all right. Thank you for being honest. Before we have children, I'd rather know that beforehand. Mm. And so I said, okay, with all knowing this, on a Wednesday, if I didn't work, I would be basically a single mother. I would be getting up in the middle of the night. I'd be feeding the kids dinner. I'd be putting them to bed. Okay, now at least I know. Is that a Wednesday that I want? Next Wednesday. All right. So I'm a working mother. I love going all in. Like Mm. focus, my phone is off. I don't get distracted. I don't know when I'm here with you, Emma. I'm here with you, girl. Me and you, yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're like eyeing each other. Like I am in this and I don't want to be bothered by a phone ringing. I don't want to be bothered by, well, what if your kid's sick? Now, what I mean is I don't want to be bothered is that I love going all in. So I Mm. know how I feel when I work. I know how I want to feel when I show up. And so I don't want to be a neglectful mother and ignore the phone call. And so I go, okay, how would I feel about that? I wouldn't feel good about myself. All right, Lisa, well, you can hire someone, a nanny. Right, You can get a nanny to get up in the middle of the night. All right, that's a possibility. But actually, that would mean they would have to live with me. Like, I literally don't pretend. I'm literally just taking one step in front of the other. If this happened, then what? If this happened, then what? And so I said, if I had a nanny, because I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night, then it means that she would stay in my house. Do I want someone living in my house? Hell no. So I realized, okay, so I don't want a st- to do both. And then I don't want to be a stay-at-home, uh, sorry, I don't want to have kids and be an entrepreneur. It's not the life I choose. Mm. And then the third thing, well, the third bucket was being an entrepreneur. And that meant, oh, I can go all in. I don't have to, you know, be responsible for someone else. This is It's basically my current life. And I was like, on an average Wednesday, that's the life I want. Mm. And that was how I processed the, my decision not to have kids. And then, you know, I think it's, so to kind of sum everything up it's about opening your eyes to the realities of the options you do have ask yourself what an average Wednesday would look like because we all know we can get emotionally torn uh, uh, emotionally heightened Mm. with um, you know my dad is like you never know the love of a child until you have one (laughs) I actually believe him but I don't have one now so I'm not I don't
1: know what I'm missing the only time sat in front of a friend who was telling me I should have children and not questioned it, but just paused Mm. and thought, oh, was when she said, I just want you to have a kid because I want to see what it looks like. I want to see what baby Emma looks like. And that's the only time I ever... And so when you were saying that about you can get sort of drunk or hijacked by those things, I totally get it.
2: But think about anything, not even just kids. Think about a business. Mm. That's what I was just saying. People can get to... I get to be my own boss. Of course, you could de- You could get excited about having your own business 100%. But let me tell you, if I sit down, if I sit down and told you all the problems that come with re- hiring, a, you know, having your own business, mm. on an average freaking Wednesday, it becomes real. And now it becomes a different perspective of just opening all, like taking off all the blinders. That's it, of every scenario that you ever want to do. And I think it can be beautiful. I think we fear taking the blinders off.
1: you know what I really like about this as well yeah is I think we when it comes to like what do you want we can sort of add a little bit too too much fuss to it yeah yeah we can be like make a list make a pros and cons Hmm. list do this do that maybe charge your crystals by the light of the moon on, on the summer solstice we can sort of wrap it up in lots of things and what I really like about what you're saying is be honest with yourself about how you feel and then be honest with yourself about how that next step would feel. Yeah. And you don't really have to go anywhere other than inside your own mind and heart in yeah. order to get to the answer that you need. Yeah, And I think it's so tempting to say that the answer lies in someone else's wisdom or an action outside of you. Like, I think we all have the answers Mm -hmm. within us.
2: Yeah, and I didn't even know how to even, because even when I heard that, though, back in the day, it did feel a little woo-woo, I'm going to be honest with you, because I'm like, you know, the answer lies within. It's like, well, Jesus Christ, where can I dig (laughs) it up? Because
3: I need it right now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) So even that felt... Like, well, how do I get it? And so for me, everything that I talk about really came from me just asking questions with no judgment. That was it. It was like, oh, well, Lisa, how would you feel on a Wednesday if Tom didn't come home for dinner and you have sacrificed your career? You know, it's like, oh, the realities of that.
1: Is it trusting yourself to give you an honest answer as well?
2: Um, It's multiple. I think it was trusting myself. I had to admit the concern. Mm Mm-hmm. How many people, like, I'll figure it out. Like, and then when it comes to it, like, I'm just going to keep going back to kids because I I really did make this decision based on also a lot of just seeing my friends and how they were and seeing how upset they were that their husbands weren't getting up in the middle of the mm. night and seeing how um, frustrated they were that they were left to do a lot of the things. It's like, what, because I'm the woman? And I'm just thinking to myself, you didn't discuss this beforehand. And the answer was no, no one, Everyone I met or my friends that had kids, no one actually asked their partners what type of father they would be or what type of mother they would be. And so it just became these expectations that then the partners weren't delivering on. Mm. And now the resentment comes in. But it's because the expectation was already there. If you at least ask them. Like imagine Tom said to me, of course, babe, I'm going to be home at seven o'clock every single night and then I have kids and then he doesn't. Mm. All right. Now. Right. Like it's like that's not a false expectation. You've set me up to think one way and then you've changed the mind. Mm. And this is a situation where we had the discussion, you know, and even though you're changing your mind that leaves me to go nowhere, right? That leaves me now with the burden in essence or like having to take on way more than i had anticipated. And so even with everything that we're saying, Tom and I have been each other's number ones since we first met. So even that discussion where when we started to talk about kids, I said to him, babe, you realize you're going to go down on my priority list because my kids will be first because at least when they're young, nature will take care of that at least from from every biological book I've ever read and every expert and anyone who's ever been a pet mother Mm -hmm. actually says, oh yeah, your heart and soul lies in those children. Mm. So I just assume that's fact. So I said to Tom, I I can't imagine I would push you down on my priority list, but let's just assume it will because Mm -hmm. based on everything that we know. So are you okay with going down on my priority list? And then also vice versa because Tom said he's going to be at work all day, every day. And now what do the weekends look like? And so he said, of course, I want to be a present father. I don't want to be a neglectful father. He's like, I desperately want to be there. So what does that look like? Oh, well, on Saturday, I'm going to be taking them to soccer practice. I'm going to be, okay, so where do I lie? And then we just, again, we had to have the honest, you know, and other people listening, be like, well, isn't that selfish of you? You can call it selfish or not. I just go into it with my eyes wide open and say, just set me up for success. Mm. If I know the reality of it is I get to spend one hour with my husband and that gets broken up into 10-minute increments over a period of two weeks, at least I know. Mm. And now I go, there's no judgment, but is that the life I want? And the answer was no. I do not want to be pushed down my husband's priority list and he does not want to be pushed down mine. And so we were, again, able to have that conversation versus the sad thing that I've seen in relationships where you have – it, the, whether the husband feels neglected by the wife because now the wife is – and look, I don't want to be gender, gender specific. I'm kind of just referring to me and Tom. But the couple where one parent is very – becomes resentful that the other parent has put the other one first. So I just say, okay, this must be real because I've seen too many couples fall in this trap. And so with no judgment, instead of falling into the trap or judging other people for falling into the trap, how the hell can I create a system where I don't fall into the trap? And that became ask myself questions. Just keep asking, what would a Wednesday look like? How would you feel if this happened? What would this look like if this became true?
1: Future-proofing. Yeah,
2: future-proofing.
1: And I remember that actually the last time you came on the show, you said you talked about how your goal was to... Impact And very specifically, it was about impacting 14-year-old girls to to instill in them the confidence, the sense of self, the belief system that you wished you'd had at age 14. And I think you had joined the dots in that conversation saying, I can't do that if I'm not all in. Yeah. As we've discussed, that's very much your thing. Yeah. And it is about making this impact. And so let's go from, you've made these decisions, you're now in business. When did, the, when did that part of the puzzle, if you like, really begin to crystallize for you? You went from business and then you're like, I have to, the journey I've been on is something I wish I'd known earlier, I'm mm, guessing. Mm. How do I bottle this and give it to other people mm. so that they don't have to be unhappy and they don't have to compromise?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a great question and it goes back to the fact that I I pride myself on growth and evolution. So originally it was be a great supportive wife. Then we started Quest Nutrition and it was like, how can I support my husband as a great supportive wife? Then it grew so quickly at 57,000% that we, we went from one, uh, zero to a billion dollars in like five years. So That's have, insane.
1: it is insane. It's it's pretty overwhelming. Can you <laughs> ask a question? This is such a side note. No, go sorry to it. interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, no. One of the things, if you Google you, there are two things that will probably catch the majority of people's imagination. I've never
2: Googled myself before, by the way. So what does it say out curiosity? Okay, so
1: first is, I mean, it just sold One company for billion. billion. <laughs> so immediately, like, mega rich. Secondly, selling, selling Sunset House. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so immediately, as soon as you walk into a room, if those are the two pieces of information that come up with all of those yeah. results, they come up first. There's a filter across people's eyes where they're going to be like, well, of course she's confident. And they're right. going to instill, right. they're going to imbue the whole thing is going to be success, wealth, confidence. Like this seems very, of course these go hand in hand. But I think what you really realize, and obviously we've spoken before,
2: mm.
1: before I Googled you, I just um, <laughs> watched your channel before. Um, you realize that like this is hard worn, mm. even though it might look from the outside yeah. a certain way. yeah. Like, this is not hard-worn, sorry, hard-earned. Yeah. And yet, I wonder if you've ever realised that people do look at you and maybe you've done all this work and they're not seeing the work they're seeing the 1000000000 oh, billion dollar sale yeah. in the world that was literally
2: why i wrote the book though because it was just like well everyone was like well of course you can do it you're confident how do you get your confidence And I'm like, what are you talking about <laughs> stop that i'm so not like i am look i'm confident now in certain areas because i've i've actually had to face my inadequacies i've had to face my ego i've had to face all the things i haven't been good at and over time i have like one of my favorite movies is karate kid i've waxed on and i've I've waxed off. So that when you get in the freaking ring and Johnny breaks your ankle... The sweep. Such an illegal yeah, move. Yeah, it's an illegal move. But do you stay on the floor, lick your wounds and say woe is me or do you freaking get back up and crane kick him into the, in the face? That is down to you. And so... What I've done over time is I've just waxed on and off. Mm-hmm. I felt completely incompetent. I felt completely inadequate into so many different areas of my life. But I realized it's the moving forward. It's the practicing, the wax on year after year after year so that you can get so freaking good. And that became like like Bruce Lee. One of my favorite freaking quotes is when he was asked, like, how do you kick so quickly? He's like, I don't think kick. I just kick, mm-hmm. which means he's practiced so many times that now it bypasses his brain he doesn't even think about it it becomes so habitual that it's instinct mm. so where you see me right now has become especially with public speaking it's become instinct I've had to train myself Wax on, wax off. And so the big part of why I wanted to write this book is that it is doing other people, guys, you listening, it is doing you a freaking (laughs) disservice. It really is. By by saying that I'm extraordinary or that I have some wild confidence is doing yourself a disservice. Because if you can actually see the truth, then maybe you actually have some freaking belief in yourself. And that can be beautiful. That is what I'm trying to get people to recognize.
1: You put your back into it. Yeah. And this is what I definitely got last time we spoke. And I also, mm-hmm. so when you're doing, we talked right at the top of this show about the um, press ups. Yeah. Like the pain, like you will put yourself through it. Oh, you yeah. don't shy away from work. <laughs> yeah. You, like, when you're doing the press ups, I can see, like, you're not going to give up when no. it begins to get difficult. Oh, yeah. You're going to stop when it's impossible.
2: I'll stop when my face actually falls on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
1: And so you can, like, you really do put your back into it. And also, Mm -hmm. you are really not afraid of failure. Like, you would rather run at it full tilt and try than not give it a go. Yeah. I did that for eight years. For eight
2: years, I was too afraid to give something a go because I thought it meant something about me. I felt like if I gave something a go and I failed, that I was a failure. And that's the thing. It's like the truth is, as I started to process failure as an entity and why it's such a crippling thing for all of us, I think it's because we think of us, it, we think of it as a reflection of us, right? Oh my God, I'm no good. I'm a failure. And I'd love to give people at home a different framing of like, what if it just meant you cared enough about your life to try something? every time you fail, instead of saying, I'm a failure, what if you gave yourself a pat on the back and you said, well done for caring enough to go after something in your life? Like just that pivot and idea hopefully can help people propel forward. And um, one of my biggest like wake aha moments was with Lisa Nichols. So my husband's interviewing her, incredible motivational speaker, one of the freaking best. And she, as I'm, she's sitting there and literally like everyone in the audience is crying because she's so good. And like all these, everyone's crying, everyone's crying. And I'm executive producing the show and I'm in the audience and I'm like, oh my God, she's so amazing. She's so amazing. I could never be as good as her. She's so amazing. And as I'm saying that, she literally turns around and is like, stop, make me, stop making me extraordinary to let yourself off the hook. Ouch. Now, what she's, as I'm sitting there going, she's so extraordinary. I can never do that. As she's sitting there, I've given myself a get out of jail free, free card, right? Because I'm saying, well, she's so good. That's why I can't do it. And now that's a freaking self-sabotage right there where you're literally sabotaging yourself because you're putting someone else on a pedestal. So you're giving yourself a get out of jail free card so that you don't even try it in the first place.
1: It's life limiting. And it is. And it's one of the many, many ways that we very subtly limit, limit ourselves. And to what you were just saying a minute ago, I'm definitely guilty. And I, it, it might seem like a, a silly thing to say, but every day I will talk myself out of doing something.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: And I've had to build that mental muscle to shut it up. But like you said earlier, like no one's, you've got this horrible voice in your head. Yeah. I do too. And my, my voice will say, don't bother. What if it goes wrong? And I've had to, I've had to really learn to say, well, then you, at least you've got a good story. Or just try, like you say, right. reframe it, flip it. Yeah. And it's that mentality that has gotten
2: me where I am. Mm. It's not that I've got an extraordinary intellect or confidence because i didn't when i when i was a kid like i was mildly dyslexic and you know i didn't have the confidence i got teased and bullied for my looks my i had a really long greek name called and it's like it's charolambus and people kids used to tease me saying shagalampost you know and when you're a kid that's really upsetting gonna warden her, could have
1: tried harder. oh
2: there you go see yeah
1: gonna want to do you yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. And it's heartbreaking as a kid. Like you really like it's funny now, but like when you're a young girl, like that really can become traumatizing. And so I definitely dismissed what I thought I was capable of. I definitely um, didn't value myself or think highly of myself. And so when I saw amazing women, I I actually it didn't even occur to me that I could be where they were. It literally didn't occur to me. I would just be like, oh, well, they're amazing. Of course they are. And now, of course, it means that. I don't ever have to try because I've just mm. dismissed myself already.
1: So how does it feel then? Because you might have looked at Lisa Nichol and thought, "Yeah, it looks a certain way. Is it nickel or Nichols? Nichols, yeah. It looks a certain way. I bet it feels like that for her. But there are people who 100% watch your YouTube channel, will read this book, yeah. and will look at you, and will put you on the pedestal, and will think, wow. And I'm curious if it feels for you like you thought it might feel for her or for someone that maybe previously you put on a pedestal? Like, do you pat yourself on the back and say, I've come a long way? So here's the funny thing is I never used
2: to. I felt like that was too egotistical. Mm. No, you know, women aren't going to like you, Lisa, if you do it. And then I realised, holy smoke, this is a superpower that I have dulled. And when I say superpower, I kind of think of like, what are the the tools to our, you know, like that we can use to show up to be our own hero. And so... I was like, why wouldn't I give myself a pat on the back? I was the girl that ripped photos of myself when I was a kid because I was so distraught with my nose and how I looked. I would literally creep in and rip photos of myself. I was the girl who, I was bullied at school, and the popular boy in school, one day there was a school dance. Oh, no. And he comes to me and he asks me, Lisa, I want you to be my first dance. And I was so excited. And I went around and I told everyone, the popular boy in school asked me. And so I was so excited. And I walk into the school hall and he's there dancing with a popular girl. They had both set me up. So Those sons of bitches. Those sons of bitches. But these are little stories, little stories Mm. that develop a way of um, self-esteem. And what is that self? I had such low self-esteem growing up. And so when I look at myself now, when I read, when I wrote the book, when I read about, you know, even the things that I talk about, talk about, you know, my journey, I don't think it's out of cockiness or arrogance, but I'm proud. Mm. And I think that I would be doing myself a disservice and anyone listening, that if I was like, oh no, what do you mean? It's like, Ladies, gents as well, but ladies, right now, give yourself a freaking pat on the back. Like, choose one thing in your life right now that you can say you're goddamn proud of. That doesn't mean you're arrogant. That doesn't mean you're obnoxious. Mm. It means you're giving yourself the, um, the validation that you went from one thing to another we seek external validation right we seek other people saying well done oh my god that makes you feel good right Mm. that's so dangerous that's so dangerous waiting for the external validation but like and you're human you want to feel good about yourself so where the hell do you feel the good feels if you're not willing to get it give it for yourself and now you look outwards and now people outside aren't giving it to you are you now by default not going to feel great about yourself screw that I literally think to myself, why would I look external for someone else to give me a pat on the back Mm -hmm. if I'm not even freaking willing to do it for myself? And so this actually is a new evolution over about a year now that this is a new concept of mine, a new like, way of that I'm thinking of how do I make sure that I always validate myself first mm. and that I'm always giving myself the pat on the back. Not to the point where I think it's egotistical. Where I'm like, yeah, I got this shit. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm stumbling and falling all along the way. Um, But, yeah, I am freaking proud. I am proud that I was the insecure girl that went from that to who I am today. That doesn't mean that I haven't got so much growth. And, again, like I just said, this is the thing I'm working on now. I literally think of things in my life. How do I improve this? How do I work on this? How do I grow from this each month, each year? And, again, it goes to the did I take one step forward today? That's it. Did I take half a step forward? And here's the thing. Even if I didn't, what if I took half a step back? I give myself the freaking grace. Mm. Because it's, I'm, like, it's not a one and done. It's a game of life. I'm so sorry again. <laughs> <laughs> She's like cringing right now.
1: Twice in <laughs> one hour. Oh it's, so, it's, so, it's, it's a really good point and it's really well made. And actually I do want to talk about the insecure girl yeah. again because I have a similar story that I'll tell you offline. Um, but it's about bullying and about those little... Um, they just chip away at you when yeah. you're young and they chip away at your self-confidence. And the thing I've come to realise recently is actually what it did for me and what I, again, have to put quite a lot of effort into is it made me think that anything that's said to me or anything that happens to me or any interaction I have, actually, mm. I'm always guarded mm. for it to be an attack. I'm never thinking that person's paid me a compliment. Mm. If they, even if someone glances at me in a coffee shop, I'll think, oh, it, it, have I got toilet paper i sticking out of uh. my... I have to really just stop myself from assuming that everything that's going to come at me is negative, and I was trying to pace it back, and I think it was that thing of being a kid and being too sensitive. We can talk about mm. being sensitive. Being sensitive and not understanding, it had nothing to do with me, it had to do with them. I do understand that now. Like if I've ever been a dick to somebody, it's because they triggered me. It had yeah, nothing to do with yeah. them. But it, it it made me realize that there was a very spiky exterior that I didn't want to show up in the world mm. with, but it was just my self-preservation technique.
2: So uh, you're being addicted to other people? What's your self-preservation piece? No, the
1: self-preservation piece is just kind of like always seeing when the negativity is coming. So then assuming everything is negative rather than actually being open to somebody being nice when you first meet them. You think they've looked at your shoes and think they're shit or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that thing. Yeah. And so I wonder if that's, to bring it back to you, if that's something that that bullying also did, which is you didn't feel great about yourself, partly because of the external messages that you were received but then if you thought that the whole world was against mm-hmm. you and when did that change was it was it tom was it other
3: experiences yeah i
2: think it was just grown old and evolution it was tom for sure meeting someone that accepts you for you um is a very very powerful when you don't feel good about yourself and but that's a hard thing like and that's another thing that i talk about in my book because um You don't want to wait for someone else to be that shining light, right? How do you activate it yourself? Because I think relying on anyone for things like that is just, you know, for anyone listening that is stuck, what if they don't have someone like that in their lives? So I don't think that that's necessarily tremendously helpful. So I'm always thinking about how the hell I, you know, um, what are the things that we can say that help people that are listening in these moments where they don't have someone to just accept them? I think it comes down to, um, for me, is identifying your triggers, Identifying where they stem from with no judgment. Asking yourself if they still align with how you feel and who you are today. And yeah, if you, if you do still feel like the ugly duckling, go, okay, does this serve me? Right? And does this serve how I f- want to feel about myself or however you want to frame it? Um, and if the answer is no, then to me, I'm like, okay, now at least I know right now, this is the thing that I need to change. I don't know how right now. But I've at least identified it. Mm. And everything becomes a stepping stone. So, again, who you see today and who you hear today has been a 15-year evolution of Lisa Bilyeu, right? It's been like we started Quest, but maybe not quite, for 15 years, um, 2010. So 2009, guys, I was a stay-at-home wife mm. who didn't believe in herself. Ten years before that, I was wildly insecure about my looks and thought I was, like, ugly. And so it's like... so. It is important for me to talk about where I am today so that you can see the reflection of anyone at home right now. The possibilities are endless. Like what is that thing that you want? Because no matter where you're starting from, any insecurities you have, any disbeliefs that you have in yourself, it's okay. It's actually okay because you know what? You can let go of them one by one. In the book, that's why I said the 10 no BS lessons because I'm not necessarily here to like just make you feel warm and fluffy inside because what's going to happen tomorrow is you're going to wake up, that freaking negative voice is still going to be there and now the warm fluffiness of when they heard mine in your podcast is gone. Mm. Right? Motivation doesn't stay forever. It's a chemical, you know, it's a a chemical, chemicals in your body. So what do you do when you're not feeling motivated? What do you do when you don't feel amazing about yourself? What are those tips and tools you're going to do? And that was why I found it so important to write the book. Mm. Because the book is, each chapter lays out a tip and a lesson. So that it becomes the, like, the um, evolve, rinse, and repeat was actually what I wanted to put as my last chapter. Evolve,
3: it was, rinse, and ev- repeat.
2: Yeah, that was what I wanted to do. It was like, a, no, I, no, assess, rinse, and, and repeat. Got it. Because... I never think I'm done, ever. Even right now, the person you, you you're listening to talking to, right? Like I have insecurities I'm still over, trying to overcome I've just identified the trigger recently so I was like oh that's where it comes from and my husband always is the one that's able to press the trigger surprise surprise so now I'm just trying to make sure that I don't get emotionally triggered that I recognise the trigger that I can calmly address it I can take the deep breaths I don't I make sure that I don't get triggered and you know into interviews in public like all these things is part of who I am and so I never th- think of myself as one and done I never think of myself as oh I've reached the pinnacle, the top of the, the mountain. Hells no. I'm still climbing the next freaking tall mountain. And so one of, one quote, I can't remember who said it now, but one of, another most powerful quote was, don't compare your beginning to my middle or end.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because what you're doing is you're looking at, maybe where I, you, maybe you're, you are where I started the f- 15 years ago, and you're comparing yourself now to my 15 years of work. That's doing everyone listening a disservice. Mm. So the point is, is that I think it can be beautiful if you can see people as inspiration instead of intimidation. And I go, I used to see when I was insecure, I only saw other women as intimidation because Mm. I was taught that that was a reflection of how bad I was. And it's not even taught. I saw it Mm. as, oh my God, Emma's so amazing. I can never be as good as her. That means I'm bad. That means I'm terrible. That means I'm not good enough. But what I do now, that's the old mentality, Lisa. But what are they now? I'm like, oh, my God, Emma Gunn. If Emma Gunn can do it, holy smokes, this woman shows up every day. If she can do it, so can I.
1: I love it. One of, I don't have any tattoos. Oh. But if I did, well, I, I was thinking this when I was reading the book. I was like, I don't think I want any tattoos. But I do want to have this. In my eyeline at all times. And I'm, having said that, I hope I get it right. WWITNB. Um, what would it take? Oh, no bullshit.
2: It's close. No bullshit. What would it take? Oh. NW. I was like, I, th- I think there's was a No bullshit. What would it take?
1: I think I got it wrong. I think I got screwed up with New Kids on the Block. <laughs> <laughs> similar. Similar. Hmm. <gasps> That's but amazing. I, I really like it for problem solving because it's again it's putting all those shoulds in place and that's just like okay no bullshit what would it take yeah to achieve this thing whatever it might be yeah
2: because okay so let's take for example if you don't mind if i'm going to use you as a right. let's use you as a demo all right mm-hmm. so i'm sitting there at home listening i'm like oh my god i really want to be a podcaster like emma she's so freaking good and time goes by and you're beating yourself up I don't, I don't understand, I'm not as good as Emma, why am I not getting these? Guess I don't understand, I'm not getting these downloads, like, what the hell? Like, and now, I'm kind of putting you on a pedestal, and I'm dismissing myself. But really, if you play the no-bullshit, what would it actually take, game? It removes any ment- emotional um, things that you might have, blockage, any things on, like, what you actually want to do. And it just lays out, what would it actually take to be a podcast host like Emma Gunn? And there's no judgment. I haven't actually said, if I'm willing to do it, Mm -hmm. I just go, I'm not there yet. What the hell does Emma do? What would it actually take? So now, Emma, if you sat here and you said to me, well, Lisa, in fact, let's talk about what we just said before we started recording. You said, it's we were talking about how intense it is when you have a guest on where you have to read their book.
1: Mm, Yeah,
2: It's a lot of work. And you even said to me, Lisa, I've got another guest on tomorrow whose book I've read. And I was like, oh, that's a freaking dense book. And you're like, I know, girl, I've got another eight hours of reading to do tonight.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's no bullshit. What would it actually take mm-hmm. to have a podcast where you have guests on and now you've got books upon books upon books? Mm-hmm. And you may say, Emma, in fact, tell me a couple of things that you're like, this, is, this sucks <laughs> about doing what you do. So obviously, the re- the having to do a podcast and now you have to go home and read someone else's book for eight hours, that sucks.
1: It, do you know why it sucks, though? Because of my time management. Your time management, yes, yes, <laughs> of course. Of it's, yes, it's the time, not that. yes. <laughs> not the book. Because <laughs> I
2: love the book that you, you're about to read. So. Yeah.
1: Um, do you know what, it's the things that, God, oh, this is me being put on the spot now, listeners. It's the comparison. It's seeing someone else get a guest that okay. I wish I'd had. And then immediately... Rather than thinking they might know each other or there may be any yeah. factor of reasons, immediately I just go, they don't want to do mine. I don't have enough downloads. I'm not famous enough. Right. and I. All, but that's all my own insecurity. Right. That's it. So that is actually one thing I really dislike because it probably shows up more often than I would like.
2: So what's fascinating is you have that because... You obviously, i assume, look at other people's podcasts all the time. So if that is something that is really true to you, you have to deal with that on the constant. Mm -hmm. So now, most people run away from that. Oh, I don't want to feel like this, so I'm not going to do it. Right? But you choose every day to feel uncomfortable and do it in a way. So let's take another people like... You have to try, in fact, you have to come, you came here all the way, bless you. Like you had to get a tube in an underground and carry your podcast equipment with you. And I'm like, I don't want to carry, well, I haven't got podcast equipment, right? And so there's, there's going to be many reasons why you may say, oh, I, I can't be as good as Emma Gunn. But if you actually hear what it's going to take, and now you can say, are you willing to do it? That's the no bullshit, what would it actually take to be as good as you? Mm. And it means you have to read multiple books in a day. You have to go on a train, lug your podcast equipment with you. You have to maybe give up. Let's just make it really extreme. You have to give up all dating for at least the first year. You can't have children because you have to focus on it. And hey, you know, movies, you really love going to movies, Emma. You can't actually go to any movies now and you're not going to be able to watch a movie for three years until you finish and you've built up your podcast. But I've just made it extreme and I've thrown Mm -hmm. a whole bunch Mm -hmm. on it. And now imagine that was actually all true. And now I said, okay, no bullshit this is what it would take to have a podcast as big as Emma's and now anyone listening at home saying well do I want that life do I want to neglect my partner because I have a whole book I have to read in one day do I want to be traveling on you know the underground into central London when I live maybe 10 hours away you live in Wales or whatever right and so maybe the example I give is like Maybe you have to sell your house. Maybe, right, you live in, you like your apartment, but you have to actually get decent podcast equipment because you know what? You're doing the podcast on your phone, just ain't cutting it. You're getting people complain. Okay, well, no bullshit. What would it actually take to have a podcast like Emma's is you'd have to make sure that your equipment is, the audible is um, clear. Mm -hmm. Okay, what would that, no bullshit, what would that look like? You have to buy equipment. No bullshit, what would that look like? You have to give up your apartment that you love. You have to move to a studio apartment. That, my friends, is how you play the no bullshit. What would it actually take to achieve my dream? And the beautiful thing is, you get to decide. You get to say, "Oh no, actually, I don't. I don't want that life. You, you're good, Emma. You can have the podcast. I, I don't want to be travelling on a, you know, from Wales or wherever, you know." But that allows you to make the decision without dismissing yourself, without dismissing the person that you're looking at potentially, or. It allows you to not beat yourself up in one or two years to be like, why am I not as big as Emma? Because you weren't willing to sacrifice. Now, look, the great news is there's no judgment. It's your freaking life. Mm. If you're not willing to sacrifice, at least you bloody know. The Mm. worst thing is to live a life where you hope and you think you're doing everything right, but you're not actually. And you're convincing yourself. You're tricking yourself, right? And it's like, but you know. You know. Mm. Deep down in your heart, you know. And yet we try to... Turn a blind eye to our own thoughts. So I just literally, I'm like, all right, let's just look at it. Let's just take all the blinders off, going back to that. Let's just l- l- look at it nakedly. And now it's up to me. So that's how you play the game. No bullshit. What would it take?
1: God, that was a, a scary little <laughs> game. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, I could talk to you for another 100 hours, but I know that you have a car coming imminently.
3: Oh, um, girl. But there are this so, has been so many.
1: Fun wonderful lessons in radical confidence and because we'd spoken before and we got to know each other I could really and and I think as well reading this and I hope if you are listening you do pick up the book because if you've listened to what Lisa has to say you'll know that she has no fear about putting her back into it she has no fear about falling flat on her face and telling you what she learned there's so much to be taken from this um any final words for listening
2: um that the book became somewhat of a weird inception because when, my lit- when a literary agent reached out to me, I just kind of liked to uh, to give me a book offer. I kind of laughed. And my husband was like, why are you
1: laughing? I'm like, babe, who the hell would buy a I book from me? I love the character of Tom in the book and just <laughs> the way you describe it. It's like, why, what? it's literally, every time you have a negative thought or a thought that doesn't serve you, yeah, to use, yeah. he's like... He just calls me on yeah. it. Yeah, we do. And that's another,
2: like, one of the tips, surround yourself with like-minded people. Mm. And trust that they're going to call you on your own stuff. I need it. And I do it to him. And we just have that agreement. But he did. He called me and he's like, why the hell are you... Like, like the book offers like a big deal. And I was like, but babe, who would buy a book from me? And in... Now, guys, this is after. I've sold a billion dollar company. I built Impact Theory with over 500 million views on our content alone. And I was like, oh, yeah, the Insecure lease is still here. That's okay. And I literally was like... And that was part of my evolution with the book so I was like okay I'm insecure about writing the book why am I insecure about writing the book oh I'm insecure because I've never written a book before and so that became the like oh give yourself grace to be the learner how do I learn from my friends who have written books all right friend and I literally wrote 10 questions and I was like what traps am I about to get into what's the surprise that you loved what's the surprise you hated and I just I went in as the learner and then even before I released the book Everything I talk about in the book, I started to process. And I was like, OK, there's a whole chapter about validation is for parking. So not letting epi- external validation dictate how you show up. And so I realized as I'm releasing this book that I've talked spoken about validation. I'm like, oh, I'm about to get myself in a trap because right now I haven't done the foundation to make sure that I don't get tied to whether the book does well or not.
3: Mm mm-hmm.
2: Because I knew my instincts would be, if the book does great, I'm going to feel great about myself. And if the book tanks, I'm going to feel badly about myself. So I made sure before the book released that I did all my internal work so that I could build up my own validation before it got released.
1: You tied it in a bow for you before it was received. Yeah. I love
2: that. So the bow uh, bow was, okay, did you give every ounce of your being? Only I can answer that. No one else can. And the answer was yes. Mm. Now I've got nothing else to give. So it's like, what could I have done differently? I couldn't have given any more because I gave every ounce of it. Did I go in with, with some humbleness and with some um, uh, like really asking the questions, like understanding that I'm the learner, not just pretending, but actually saying, you've never written a book before, Lisa, you better go learn. And then being proud of the final result. Those were the things. So I, I had to process it. I had to write my pillars of where I was going to tie my validation to so that when the book came out, I made sure that I'd already done the groundwork. And the reason why I would love, I want to actually end it there is so that people really do realize that I am still a work in progress and that hopefully that brings even more weight to the lessons in the book because I'm not here to BS. It's like that, that doesn't serve anybody. Mm. And so I try to be as candid and transparent about how, um, how, badly i thought about myself and s- often still do but how i work through it and how i make sure that i don't allow that to dictate how i show up every day
1: so wonderful the link to the book listeners will be in the show notes the link to impact theory women of impact your social media everything Thank will be in girl. the show notes. But it's been so nice to chat oh Thanks my god i know and Aaron hug we're hu- we hugged we're huggers. <gasps> Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gun Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter, where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one.